We talk about avoiding adverse outcomes from regulatory scrutiny, and that's important and that does cost money. But the other side of things is we have to help our clients build a process that is convincing and that when FINRA looks in, they have comfort and confidence that it's being managed. So one of the things that FINRA has said and some of our clients have echoed is being able to respond to a FINRA request professionally and quickly with the right data in the right format within two or three days greatly boosts the process. Knowing how to satisfy regulators is a highly valued skill in our industry. Robert McGill, founder of right tech vendor Giacomo, which was recently acquired by DocuPace, knows this after two decades spent building a business focused on compliance. I spoke with Robert about some of the analytics required for a strong compliance solution, the trends he's seeing with FINRA enforcement and how broker-dealers RegTech should respond, and a whole lot more on this episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, the founder and CEO of Ezra Group Consulting. Over the past 16 years, we've worked with hundreds of fintech vendors and enterprise wealth management firms to guide them towards making better business and technology decisions. In fact, February of next year will be our 17th year in business. If your company has a software product that you're selling too, asset managers, broker-dealers, or RIAs, or other firms, go to our website, ezragroupllc.com, and fill out the Contact Us form. Our Wealth Tech research team will reach out to you because we can deliver a wide range of market insights for your firm, including competitive analysis, partnership analysis, addressable and obtainable market estimates, sales targeting, and insights on buying decisions, and more. Every Wealth Tech vendor needs this data to be successful, especially when entering new markets. And you can start the process off by going to EzraGroupLLC.com. All right. The Wealth Tech Today podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices in technology for wealth management, asset management, and related areas. Every month, we have a new topic for the podcast. December's topic is compliance tools, also referred to as RegTech. It's become one of the fastest growing segments in the fintech ecosystem. According to a recent study by Wealth Management Magazine, asset and wealth management firms have increased their budgets for compliance software by almost 10% year over year. One of the beneficiaries of this increased spending will be Giacomo, founded in 2000 by my guest Robert McGill, and which was recently sold to DocuPace. Robert and I had a terrific conversation, and I'm excited for you to hear it, so let's get going. I'm excited to introduce our next guest on the program. It's Robert McGill, Executive Vice President and General Manager of the Giacomo Division of DocuPace. Robert, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks. Glad to be here. I'm glad you could make it. I'm glad we could coordinate this time together. I'm really excited. This is our, our month. Um, we're talking about compliance, uh, compliance tools, compliance technologies, compliance processes, everything around compliance because it's such a, it's a big issue. We get a lot of calls about compliance from uh, both our RIA clients and our enterprise wealth management clients. Um, it's always changing. It's never the same uh, as firms grow and, and change their, their compliance needs change. 
And uh, we really want to talk to you about your compliance solution. Um, so I'm going to give you a lot of time to talk about it. But first, could you um, tell us where you're calling in from? I am in our offices in New Jersey, uh, Central Jersey, just south of New York. And uh, what, what town is that? Oh, Shrewsbury is the name okay. of the town. I just want to let you say that so I can rub it in that I'm in Miami. <laughs> I'm Very not nice. in New Jersey. <laughs> uh, for the whole week, it's so nice. Sorry, just, I just wanted to, to, to throw that in your face. Cool. So um, now we can move on from that. So, Robert, give us the 30 second elevator pitch for uh, Giacomo, which has been acquired by DocuPace and, and soon to become a, a, a division of, job of uh, DocuPace. But what's the, the Giacomo compliance tools? Give us the 30 second elevator pitch on that. Yeah, if you just look at the Giacomo piece, and as you mentioned, we're part of DocuPace, right? So there are compliance pieces at DocuPace and compliance pieces at DocuPace. But if you, we just talk about Giacomo for the moment, there are three basic market offerings that we have. We have a data integration tool. We have a compensation processing tool, which is fundamentally not compliance. And then we have a suite of compliance tools. So if we look at the compliance, it's really a combination of the data integration tools and the compliance tools the compliance tools themselves subdivide into four chunks, a trade surveillance blotter with integrated alerting, a license registration and license management tool and license checking, an OFAC and FinCEN scanning tool, and uh, a suite of other pieces that will allow you to manage information uh, around compliance, if you will. Yeah. So. The question that I think is in everyone's mind is why is compliance so important? Isn't it just one big thing that you can deal with and with one tool? Is, you know, what's, what's, the, what's the, why do we need all these tools to handle our compliance? That's a really good question. It's very hot in the marketplace right now. And the reason is that it is a major focus for the regulators. We talk to almost all of our clients every week and we get a sense for what the issues are and the concerns. If somebody's just gone through an audit or whatever, they'll usually give us some feedback as to how they used our tools to support that audit. Um, compliance is relevant because it's a huge risk. It's probably the number one existential risk for the broker dealers and investment advisor advisory firms out there today. So it is a C-suite kind of concern. And the issue is, Firms need to put controls and documented processes in place to manage risk before the regulators come in and force them to do it. So from a standpoint of importance, it's right up there with generating revenue and managing the operations of the firm. Having compliance under control with a well-managed process with the right tools and the right people in place is pretty much a mandatory uh, capability today. Indeed. And so let's move on to, so we know why, why compliance is important. Uh, we, we see that from uh, even the latest SEC um, fines coming out for a lot of firms not following the compliance regulations, not following the compliance processes. And where, what are some of the trends you're seeing around compliance? So what, what are your, your clients um, asking for which of their tools are they using the most? Which of yeah. the areas of compliance are really hitting the, 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 the major buttons for these firms? Yeah, probably the number one thing that we see in the marketplace, people are looking for electronic blotters for trade approval. And in particular, looking for a blotter that is doing a risk assessment automatically with integrated alerting 
on a trade by trade basis. So they want their principals to be able to go through, review the trades in a comprehensive fashion, but have trades that are high risk or medium risk or low risk categorized and called out so that they can go through and see simple things like trades that are in illiquid, low, low price kind of uh, securities and more complex things like uh, switches, um, excessive trading, um, product suitability mismatches, things like that. They need a tool to help them sort through the hundreds of thousands of trades that flow through a broker dealer or advisor every single month so that people are able to spend time managing the risky ones and not waste their time approving the ones that are really routine, if you will. That's the number one thing that people are looking for out there. And probably uh, number two would be some kind of automated letter generation tool, allow them to stay in compliance particularly on the direct you know, non-clearing broker business. It's a major gap for a lot of people that are out there. Can you explain the non-clearing broker business? Do you mean trust accounts? It's, kind of it could be trust accounts, but it's oftentimes very much simpler than that. So any broker dealer or advisor out there is going to have a section of business somewhere between you know, five and 90% that's going to run through a clearing broker. Right? It's typically all the bond option and um, equity business. But a lot of the package business, the mutual funds, the annuities, et cetera, is often done direct, either check an app or through electronic means direct. And when it goes direct, you don't have any of the integrated toolkits that the clearing brokers typically provide. So if you're working with an NFS or a Pershing or a Raymond James or a First Clearing, there are letter tools that you can pay for and elect to generate your letters. Um, but you don't have that when you're working direct. So they're typically looking for a tool. We provide one that allows them to manage the pie slice of business that's not at the clearing broker, whether it's a Schwab, TD, or direct with DST or DTCC or Dazzle, and you know stay compliant and generate the 36-month and address change letters, et cetera, that they need. Yeah, and a lot of firms forget about these things and forget how important they are. And then think they'll just throw more bodies at it and solve the problem. And, and then they want to, things fall through the cracks yeah. and make mistakes. Or they hope that their producers are going to do it. And a lot of some producers do a good job and other producers don't, you know. So having a centralized, well-managed process to stay compliant is important. Yeah. And you need the software to do it. What about other trends? So things like, I know you guys work, uh, your, some of your analytics around breakpoints. Can you talk about that and why that's, uh, and how firms are using your software for that? Yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a good entry point. When you look at the different kind of business models that are out there, different kinds of risk issues bubble to the surface from time to time. So kinds of things that we're seeing when we talk to our clients over on kind of the retail or the brokerage side, we see a major focus on breakpoints. Um, so a lot of times firms are looking for a capability to show the regulators that they are checking to make sure the right commission charges are being applied. It's complicated because when you're evaluating what should be applied in terms of a load or a commission percent, you need to aggregate assets across an entire household and you need to do it across an entire mutual fund company. And to be able to put that together means you've got to have good householding data. So a, lot, a major theme that we talk to our clients about in general is having sound data integration practices that allow you to get value out of the risk alerts that we generate. Since we do our own data integration, we have very complete normalized data, which makes the alerts and the risk assessments that we put into our software much more valuable. But to your question, breakpoints 
and managing and document what should have been charged versus what was actually charged. And when they are not the same, having a process to address that key issue for almost all of our broker dealer oriented clients. Yeah, I can imagine that. That's something that a lot of firms aren't doing. They're just charging, seeing the bills are going out, but no one's saying, well, is this what they should have been charged? Is this the correct bill? Yeah. Yeah, we do a lot of billing. They're trusting, again, they're trusting the producers and sometimes the producers get it right and sometimes maybe not quite right. You know, other things we run into, and I won't, I won't get too detailed unless, unless it makes sense. We actually have a lot of firms that are looking at 529 accounts very carefully. In particular, they want to understand when the beneficiary gets... Um, you know, out of majority when they when they become 18 and they want to change the registration on that account. And that's another data challenge because you have to make sure you understand who the custodian is and who the beneficiary is and what the proper age is for both and when they're trading to make sure that we alert people. This person's now 19. You want to go back in and fix the registration on this account. Um, another key thing we're looking at are particular high-risk product situations. Right, so almost every one of our clients that does ETF business needs to highlight leveraged and inverse ETFs. Um, and it's, you know, again, a challenge to make sure you have the right list of QCIPs that are leveraged and inverse and what kind of leverage and inverse situation they are. But they have to make sure that people are properly trained and authorized to um, sell those products. And they also want to look at the positions and make sure that certain products that are intended for very short-term trading strategies are indeed short-term. You don't want somebody sitting for six months in a year in a product that's meant to be in place for a week kind of thing. That's something I bet a lot of, I, I haven't heard of any products doing that. So you're, I mean, lots of products, um, compliance products, check for leverage, the university ETFs, it's easy. Like let's, that's pre-trade compliance, that's program, com, built-in program compliance. We built those things with, uh, with at the custodians or at the portfolio mm -hmm. companies will build programs that restrict uh, programs from buying certain securities, whether they're ETFs right. or or commodities or currencies, things like that. But when you're when you're looking at short term instruments or short term strategies that are being held long term, how does that done? How does the software do that? Um, it requires really good data. Once again, so what we do is we bring in nightly positions for every single position for a financial firm. So because we maintain position history, we can tell you what position was held, when that position was opened, and what the value of that position was day by day over time for multiple years if need be. So we know what the leveraged and the inverse QCIPs are. We're going to look for positions and we're gonna look at the position open date. And there's actually an alert we created for this purpose called the position open alert. <laughs> so anything that is open more than X days, if it's one of these QCIPs or has the characteristic of being leveraged or inverse, we're going to fire off an alert. So you just basically subtract to today's date from the position open date yeah, longer than exactly. X, you flag, you flag it. Right. And it's, you know, it's a good way for a financial firm to go through and make sure they don't have any stragglers. Somebody forgot to close out a position kind of thing could be innocent, but we've got to have a control that goes out and says, yeah, we're going to know if something is open longer than it should be and at least ask questions or get the proper paperwork generated to justify why it is the way it is. That's terrific. That's, that's some, this, this is things that, that can save companies a lot of money and fines and a lot of headaches uh, if they had this type, these type of tools. Yeah, the, the goal is that the compliance people can sleep at night, which <laughs> is a challenge because there's a lot of pressure on them these days. It really is. 
You're a stress reduction. You're a stress reduction problem. <laughs> That's what, right. Like, take two Giacomo's and call me in the morning. Take take two Giacomo's. <laughs> it's better than meditation. <laughs> it's a lot more work than meditation. Oh, well, that's true. Hey, I want to take a break from this episode to talk about our sponsor. The Invest in Others Charitable Foundation is a nonprofit that recognizes financial advisors for their exceptional charitable work. Their 15th annual Invest in Others Awards will be held digitally this year from September 20th through September 23rd. That's just eight days from now. Be sure to tune in each day at 4.45 p.m. Eastern time to watch as each award category winner is unveiled. You can watch on investinothers.org forward slash awards, and there's no logins or passwords required. Now, I've been involved with Invest in Others for three, no, four years now. It's a great organization. They do a lot of good. Uh, please donate on the website, investinothers.org. I'm sure your company will match your donations. And almost every wealth management company that I know of is involved in Invest in Others. They do a, a, some fantastic work. Each finalist in the Invest in Others Awards receives a donation of $20,000. And the winners in each category, and I believe there are five categories, receive between $50,000 and $75,000 towards their nonprofit. And these are life-changing amounts for some of these organizations. And I've been uh, lucky enough to be part of the judging on some of these categories. And they're uh, the, the categories are things like local community involvement, uh, international charitable work, um, uh, you know, uh, lifetime achievement awards, uh, things like that. So uh, they, they break it out in different ways. And it's really tough to, to pick the winners because there's so many good charities that are doing such good work, building schools, getting um, helping feed people, building orphanages overseas, uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, makes me feel really inadequate. I really got to step up my, my volunteer game, but investinothers.org is a great uh, organization, great charity. You should check them out at their website and uh, you don't want to miss their awards this year. And please tune in on their website, investinothers.org forward slash awards to find out who wins. I don't know who's going to win. We need to learn. We need to know. We want to know who the winners are. So check them out. Uh, so I wanted to circle back on something we spoke about earlier, that you have all these alerts and you have all these um, reports, but if you don't have good data, uh, clean data, normalized data, all this is kind of useless. And something we do at my company, Ezra Group, we do a lot of data assessments, data evaluations, broker-dealers on these types of things. And they don't really understand why, when we come in, we say, you need to normalize your data. It's like, they don't understand why. So can you explain why normalizing data is important and, and give us an example of, you know, around trade operations you were talking about? Yeah, sure. That'd be great. Um, the, the key challenge here for any of our clients is they are pulling data from multiple sources, right? So you might have a client that's got data coming from a clearing broker, from, you know, advisory uh, custodians like TD or Schwab, from direct sources, et cetera. Even data that may have come from mergers and acquisitions from a long time ago. What the challenge is, is you have to pull it together so that it is integrated all in one place and the fancy word is normalized, but you want to make it comparable. So basic stuff like trade operations need to be organized. So some data sources may, direct sources may call something a purchase. Clearing broker may call it a buy. Another source may call it um, a reinvestment or a rebalance, et cetera. We provide tools to be able to take that information and map it onto one set of trade operations. And that's critical because a lot of the 
risk management and alerting is based on the trade operation. Something's relevant for a, a buy, but not relevant for a sell or an exchange, for example. And you don't want to miss a trade because it came through as a purchase as opposed to a buy, et cetera. That's just one of about 20 different things we have to do to make sure that the information comes in and is grouped properly, right? Another huge issue is making sure it's categorized properly. You know, is it an ETF or is it a equity? A lot of the ETFs come through as equities for whatever reason from the clearing broker. So we have to put in capabilities to reclass them and put them into the categories that make sense for risk management. So having a solid, clear, integrated database is sort of a precursor to doing any kind of capable risk management. And it's a lot of things the risk management software people don't highlight nearly enough. But our background started in data integration. And we do compensation accounting. You've got to get the data right to pay people. We get the data right for that, and we get the data right for compliance. Yeah, we were talking, we talked to some clients about normalization or you know, cleaning up your data sources, and they don't understand why. So you really got to sell them on the results. Well, if you don't, you're gonna you're not gonna have alerts come out when you think they're coming out. You're not your reports aren't gonna match. All these other things you're, that yep. you can have, you won't have them if the data isn't normalized. If your if your data sources aren't are too siloed, that you don't, that you don't organize across them, uh, there there's gonna be problems down the road. That's very true, and it's not sexy, but it's mandatory. Uh, it's one of those things we talk to our clients about all the time. Yeah. Another thing um, I want to talk to you about that's uh, trends you're seeing in compliance is your, your account automation tool. Why is that important and what are firms using that for? This is one of the major benefits of us coming together with DocuPace. Um, as you probably know, DocuPace has the industry leading workflow new account opening tool that's out there. Mm -hmm. They capture a ton of information on the way in. Um, traditionally, that has been a silo separate from all the back office activity that's uh, in place to do compensation, accounting, data integration, and compliance automation. And in that case, we are restricted to whatever data flows to us from the data sources. When you're looking at a clearing broker, you're getting a fairly robust set of information. You're typically getting decent account level suitability information like time horizon, risk tolerance, tax bracket, annual income, et cetera. But when you're working with direct sources, you get almost nothing. You know the person's tax ID, you know their name and address, and you know uh, the account number. And beyond that, that's not much more. So what we've done is we've taken the new account opening and workflow tool integrated with our back end so that information flows both ways. We're going to take data that we have about an investor or an account and share that with new account opening so that the producer can confirm it not rekey it if they don't have to. And secondly, when they fill out that huge client profile and new account form, we're going to take all that data and post it into our back end. So now we have the quality of data in the back end that is as good or better than if we had gotten it from, let's say, a clearing broker, but it's going direct. It's coming, you know, it's going check an app or it's going through an electronic means to a direct mutual fund or annuity provider. Yeah, those direct accounts are killer. Yeah, they, they seem to cause so many problems. They do. It's less expensive and it provides a certain amount of freedom. And sometimes it's the only way to go if the clearing broker doesn't handle the product set that you need. But we have to, we use our technology, um, both the new account opening and sort of the back end automation, data integration and compliance automation 
to wrap it with the same level of controls and risk management that you would get if it went through a clearing broker. So the fact that you're now part of DocuPace means you'll have tighter integration with the new account opening process. Yeah, not just that, because DocuPace has a suite of tools that give us brand new capabilities, right? So we mentioned the new account opening, but they also have a very capable 17A4 document repository. Mm -hmm. We have a ton of output in our software. So for example, nightly trade blotters, um, regular reporting, uh, letters that we generate, those can all go into that 17A4 compliant document repository. So the synergies are working both ways. Every time we turn around, we find a new way we can put the two products together and provide more value to the industry, basically. Yeah, we're, I think we're one of the only industries that talk about everything in terms of what the regulation number is. Like 17A4, 529, 401k. You know, <laughs> everything's right. that, you know, whatever the number of the regulation happens to be, that becomes the number that we call the, that particular product or thing all the time. It's, I know, uh, and there's new rules coming out all the time with new numbers, et cetera. It's not helpful, not helpful. One big thing that a lot of advisors uh, care about are 401k rollovers because they get, a lot of, they get a lot of new business that way. But there's issues with FINRA that you guys can help over help, help compensate for. What, can you talk about that? Yeah, uh, one of the things, you know, because we talk to so many people, we have a sense for what people are concerned with, right? We have a sense for what's come up in the most recent audits, we have a sense for what FINRA has published and said, hey, we're gonna take a look at these. One of the things that is undergoing fair degree of scrutiny right now are money that's being rolled over from a 401k, say into an IRA. It's a huge source of funds for a lot of broker dealers out there, but when you do it, it has to be properly papered. In particular, there have to be advantages because there are cost implications of moving out of a 401k that may be very low cost and the IRA may be somewhat larger cost. Um, so in order to do it, you have to explain, you know, there's better product offering, or we're able to do something that they can't do in the old vehicle that we can do here. So what we are doing to help our clients with this issue is we highlight trades that are moving information. We're moving money basically out of 401ks into, into IRAs and other tax protected vehicles so that they can verify that the proper paperwork is in place so that the risks are managed there. Nice. That must be a, a great report for compliance to get a hold of. It is. It's one of the many. And, and the thing I will highlight here, Craig, is that these are evolving issues, right? So last year, this wasn't a major push. It's a bigger issue this year. Uh, and if you go back two years, there was something else that Finner was really looking at. We are releasing on average six to eight new alert types every single year. As we detect that there are new areas of scrutiny or new product types that are coming out, et cetera. There are alerts, risk management alerts that we build and deploy and make available to all of our clients so that they can adopt them um, if they make sense for their business model. Not every risk is inherent in every business model, but we want to have a complete set for an individual. We want to cover off all the risks for an individual securities firm. Doesn't it, isn't it, don't you read a, a point of diminishing returns when you have so many alerts? How do you know which one to deal with first? Uh, it's a really good question. One of the things that people have come to us with, because it does get complicated, right? There are a lot of them. We're upwards of 50 of them. I think we're at like 45 or 46. Um, what we have taken to doing to help firms, especially firms that need to get started, they've come to us and said, Bob, I love your tool. I'm not sure how to populate it and which risks I want to manage. Can you give me what everybody else gets? 
Mm. So what we've done is we have created kind of a baseline. It's nothing esoteric, but you put the standard set of alert controls in place out of the box and you will have, you know, the 80% solution in place on day one. Um, we still need to dialogue and understand if there are unique concerns or risks in the particular business model or the products that they are selling. And we may need to tune them a little bit, but everybody needs a large trade alert. Everybody needs a low price alert. You know, everybody wants a switch alert. Um, so there's this, you know, of the 45 or 46 that we offer, there's probably 18 to 20 that we'll deliver right out of the box for somebody so that they've got something on day one that lets them get comfortable with the mechanism and then they can adjust them as they need to. So if they're getting too many alerts or too few, we'll tune the parameters a little bit, or if they have a unique risk that is not necessarily covered, we'll cover it. I'm gonna put you on the spot, Bob. Which alerts are the most commonly triggered? Um, I would say, we, I, should, I should back up and say we have classes of alerts. So we have alerts that are based on trades, alerts that are based on account, alerts that are based on data changes. But if I just talk about trade alerts, which are the most common grouping, we're going to look at probably, I would say, large trade, switch, low price. Uh, we call it employee trade, but it's in essence front running. Um, and then maybe excessive commission, roughly in that order. It, it differs from broker-dealer to broker-dealer, but if I were to blend them all together and say which are the ones I see most frequently, I would see all five of those at almost every single broker-dealer. Yeah, so any, any of those could cause a fine or some sort of yes. action or FINRA action. And it's we talk about avoiding adverse outcomes from regulatory scrutiny, and, and that's important and that does cost money. But the other side of things is we have to help our clients build a process that is convincing and that when FINRA looks in, they have comfort and confidence that it's being managed. So one of the things that FINRA has said, and some of our clients have echoed, is being able to respond to a FINRA request professionally and quickly with the right data in the right format, Excel is what they typically want, or CSV, within two or three days, greatly boosts the process. If FINRA sees that a broker-dealer is struggling to pull together the information that they've asked for, they get concerned. So some of what we do is by building all those alerts and making sure that they've got a process in place for managing the alerts. But some of what we provide are just super powerful data reporting and extract tools so that when someone says, you know, I need to see all the VA trades between the following two uh, dates that were done with the following six providers in the Western region, that should be a few clicks for somebody. Boom, here you go, 300,000 trades kind of thing. So it's all part of a holistic approach to, a, to, being to enabling a securities firm to be responsive and to show that they are on top of things, if you will. Another trend you'd mentioned was mid-market and smaller broker-dealers uh, rolling out automated alerting and surveillance tools. Yeah, I mean, traditionally, this has been something that was addressed at the highest end of the market, right? And the tools themselves were expensive and they were mainframe and they were complicated and they required a team to support them, et cetera. And indeed, we have fed some of those tools with our data integration engine because we do such a good job with data. What we wanted to do was take all that power and make it flexible. 
and scale the pricing and the implementation costs so that a mid-market firm could easily adopt it. And it's something that we've done a lot of. We have a lot of experience in both the enterprise and the mid-market space. And I would tell you that the people in the mid-market space that are using our risk management and trade surveillance tools are thrilled with it. It's one of those things where they're like, listen, this is the very best thing you provide to us. And partly it's because it's a cost-effective option for them to be able to show uh, their management, the regulators, et cetera, that they have a tool and a process in place to manage these things, manage risk, basically. That's what it all comes down to. If you, do, you can have the tools, but if you don't have the processes to run them properly and, and manage them and review them, the governance, then they're pretty much worthless. Correct. They won't stand up. Bob, I think we've just about covered everything we wanted to cover. I really appreciate your time. Can you give us, uh, tell everyone where they can go to find out more information about the Giacomo soon-to-be new DocuPace compliance tools? Yeah, a couple of sources. You'd start with DocuPace.com, right? So it's an excellent website. It's got a ton of information. It has, you will see us as DocuPace Commissions Processing and DocuPace Compliance. Um, you can, the Giacomo website is still live as well. Um, it will be for at least a few more months. So J-A-C-C-O-M-O.com give you some information uh, and those will be two great places to get started. Awesome. Bob, thanks. You've been great. Really appreciate your time here. All right. Thanks, Craig. I appreciate it. Hey, it's Craig again. That was an excellent episode. Really enjoyed my conversation with Robert. Here are my top three takeaways. Number one, talking about the analytics around breakpoints, especially how Giacomo handles the complexity when assets are split across a household. Two, uh, we really got into the weeds around uh, wealth management data, which is something I love talking about. And when Robert explained how they normalize the data when it's being combined from multiple sources, super important for any enterprise firm. And third, how having well-defined surveillance and compliance processes that are backed up by strong reporting and data is key to keeping FINRA regulators happy. And that's it for this episode. Please take a moment to go to our website, EzraGroupLLC.com. Scroll to the bottom of the homepage and subscribe to our newsletter. Once a month, you'll receive an email packed full of information, news, trends, and analysis that I guarantee you will enjoy. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you all again next time.